Hi, this is MG. And I'm Elizabeth Pudwell, and we are Sober Sisters Talk. And we are back after a little break, and we had a little vacation. Well, one of us did. (laughs) (laughs) But we are back, and it is um, December, it's actually November 30th, so... We're at the end of November, which is the 11th month. I don't know if we did a step 11 in We there haven't anywhere. done an 11th step. We haven't? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we might not get to 11 till next year. <laughs> right. Because, uh, well, first of all, this podcast, Sober Sisters Talk, is all about bringing our strength and our experience working multiple programs um, together and separately to anybody out there who's listening. You know, we just want to... We just want to um, provide uh, some hope that it gets better and that, um, you know, the, the work that we've done is um, challenging and, and rough and, and hard at times, but that it's totally worth it. It is totally worth it. And I like to say that, you know, I don't know how to keep anybody else sober, but I know what works for me and I know how I stay sober. And so I want to share, you know, some of the tips and tricks and tools and uh, different techniques that I've come across and you know doing a lot of different work and uh, we want to offer that to you and our goal with this is just to help and try to be supportive and I want to do a shout out to Lisa we got an email from her this week and I apologize for not responding to you but I've just been a little bit busy I was uh I took a work trip and then I took a vacation and I've come back and I've just hit the ground running again and so I feel a little bit um, like I'm shot out of a cannon but it's all good I mean that's abundance when all those things come to me and then I get to reframe it about you know God I need a little bit more time God I little need a little bit more rest but I, I, you talked about step 11. I just want to read it because I think okay. it actually might be perfect for what we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, I think so. Uh, step 11 says, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with a power greater than ourselves, praying only for knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry that out. And Elizabeth started uh, by coming and talking about an issue that she was having with someone that she knows that's working through an issue in recovery. And uh, and so I think that this could sort of count where it talks about, you know, a contact with a power greater than ourselves. Because you were saying that you didn't think, say it in your words. Okay, so um, the situation is, is I have um, uh, these two sponsees that um, were kind of going through the same thing. One was in a dating relationship and she ended it and was feeling really frantic. And you know how, I mean, that... I won't say you know how it is, but for me, it's it doesn't feel really you know you're not at your peak when you end a dating relationship, especially when you realize like, you know, for her it was um, there was some her addictive behavior in there, and the the other one um, had you hadn't dated in a while, but was kind of tiptoeing around it, and we reworked her dating plan, and then boom, she says that she's been seeing this guy, and she went on a, a group date, and then. An individual date and we had determined like okay here's some things that we need to find out about what this person before we go any further and one the most important was does he have a, a girlfriend or a wife and he came back and um, shared with my sponsee that he has a um, fiance in another country and she's arriving in January 
And so, okay, you know. That's the end of the story. It would seem... Yeah, that's full stop. One would sing. <laughs> One would think in this program. One would yeah. think, yeah. yeah so yeah. that's like, no, I don't want that, you know. So she says she doesn't want that, but she doesn't stop seeing him. And we have a conversation a couple of days later, and I was like, so what's what happened with this availability thing? And she says, what? What do you mean? I said, well, he still has a fiancé in another country. And she got really upset, and she said, "You, I don't want to hear this negative stuff I don't like it you always bring this up <laughs> what confronting you on like a potential yeah. pothole and the whole and, and it just didn't it wasn't like it wasn't my ideal shining moment I will say that because I got triggered I got hot I got you know I was like okay and I just hung up and I didn't talk to her for a few days and then the second person contacted me and, and um, I had shared some information with her about um, what some stuff that I saw her doing with her teenage daughter. And she sort of um, shared with me that that had been, that she said the same word. She said, well, when you share negative stuff like that with me, sometimes the way that you share it, it makes me feel, and I don't remember what she said, but it makes me feel bad, like depressed. She goes, it makes me depressed. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, and I got off. All you're doing, let me just jump in here. I feel like all you're doing is holding a mirror. She's like, all you're saying is, let me get this right. Is this what you're doing? I am. And you don't pull any punches, Elizabeth. No, I'm very direct. And I said, look, you know, here's my experience with, because she had just moved. And I said, and, and the daughter was struggling. I was like, here's, you know, I had a therapist who told me that every time you move, it's as traumatic as a divorce to a kid. And I had moved, and the therapist pointed out to me, holding up a mirror, you've moved six times just since you moved to Texas. And I moved a hell of a lot more times before I moved to Texas. Yeah. I liked to move up until that point. And um, I just shared that with her, you know, and it, it, but I'm sure it did make her feel depressed, you know, because there's that information like, I'm fucking up my kid, what do I do about it? You know, I felt the same way. I'm, I fucked up my kid, you know. So, um, anyway, but what I did with that is, um, it, I was like, okay, two women used that word with me, said, you're being negative. And I really felt, um, clean about like, I don't feel like I'm being negative, but what, what is this? I do need to look at this because I'm the common denominator, which is the step 11. That's the part where that I've learned really clearly to do in this program when presented with something a commonality like that Mm, mm. and i'm the commonality yeah yeah (laughs) i need to look at it and figure out what it was so um i did some prayer meditation i did some writing around it and what i came um when i talked to the second one with the teenager the next time i said you know i wanted I don't feel like I'm negative, but I do feel like I presented information that, you know, is very relevant. Hot, yeah. You know, and, yes. Yeah. And I'm very emotional. And I said, I think that maybe the way that I present it, it makes you feel like I don't trust you. And she said, yeah, that's it. And it, uh, and she could resonate with that. And she really um, got on board with that. And... You know that we had a really good conversation, and you know she said i I talked to my therapist, and my therapist said the exact same thing that you did, 
Um, and I don't know why it's so easy for me to take from the therapist and not from and more challenging mm-hmm. from you. Mm-hmm. And I didn't share this part with her, but I think the first part of that is because I'm the first one to say it. Sure. It, you know, when someone else says it, then you're like, oh, well, okay. And it doesn't bite as much. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. might have more impact, but it doesn't bite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the second part is, is, and I know this is true of both of these women, is that, um, and it, I, I could not get these words out, MG. I, I sat on my couch and I was like, I, I don't know why it's so hard for me to say this to you, but I love you. And I think that that has a lot to do with the way it affects when I say things to you. And I mm. I know that you love me too, mm. and there's some reciprocity there. Yeah. Our sponsor-sponsee relationship is deep. We have been working together for three years. We have worked through some very tough issues for her. And she has helped me with some of my stuff, a lot of my stuff. Sure. And um, I know this is true of the first woman as well, that mm-hmm. I love her, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I know she loves me. Yeah. And I know it hurts when someone you love and someone you know that loved you doesn't approve of, right. or trust right. 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 what you're doing. Well, and I mean, and I think that that's one of the divine pieces that come from being in relationship and program when we have recovery partners and you know, a fellow travelers on this road that, you know, we might get some critical feedback from someone. And, you know, and that's like, that's why I feel like I'm in this program is to be able to, you know, speak out what's going on in my little head and have other people give me feedback. But we're very imperfect. We're all trying to work towards a common goal, which is our own recovery, our own happiness. But, you know, it's not, we're we're not easy people to be around sometimes. And, I know that in my experience, when I've had conflict with someone that's a recovery partner, if I can lead with a conversation where I say, you know, I love you and you're important to me, comma, when you said this, I felt really upset. And if I can lead with that and just say, I value your relationship, I want it to continue, I want it to deepen, then I feel like there's hope for the relationship to continue and to be strong and flourish. And I think you're going to recapture that with your sponsee. Yes. I mean, having that one conversation with the second one, it was just so beneficial because it does teach me, you know, and, and it'll happen, you know, we've, we've tried a couple of meetings and it hasn't happened yet, but it, you know, it will when it's supposed to. Well, and you know, you can say this to your new sponsees. It's like, listen, I can say things in a way that you might not appreciate, understand, or like. Because that's just me. And you've had enough sponsees to know and get that feedback from them. It's like, oh, you hurt my feelings or whatever. And, you know, my experience about that for you and one of the reasons why I was so honored and grateful that you chose to sponsor me is because I, my life was in jeopardy with this program. And I saw in you this really, you're such a straight shooter And you're also really serious about not only your SLAA recovery, but also your AA recovery. And, you know, you have almost died in these programs. And you were such a... I needed someone to be a little bit tough with me because 
I'd had really super sweet sponsors in my like Al-Anon programs and other people and and other programs super sweet because I chose those people and for this program which was really life threatening for me I needed someone who wasn't going to be so super sweet so super sweet and you know your direct approach and your and, and I found that I loved your sense of humor and it never offended me it always made me laugh and uh and you know in the way that you would call me on my my business it was just you know it it really resonated with me so i chose you for one of that those very reasons well and i was telling um you know one of these women when we were talking that i recognize that resistance to feedback in myself i have it as well i know when i was dating the last guy that I date, um, our, our mutual friend Sandy, who was on with us last month, mm-hmm. um, she had said something to me about our relationship. And she said, that just seems a little, I mean, don't you think that's weird? And I was just like, I was so, I could feel it. Like, no, oh. and I, I'm mad at you. I don't want to talk, to, you know, like I wanted to like close it down. I didn't, but I could feel it come up. And so I know that in my in my personal case that's my little girl coming up and saying don't listen to her don't she's going to make us break up with him and you don't want to do that you or got it now. could be your, your love addict saying yeah. "Ooh, i don't want to hear that well yeah to me it's the same thing the little girl and the love addict they reside mm-hmm. together you know but mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. no don't let that go you know don't let him go don't let him go yeah. you need to hang on to him and i don't want you know i really like it wants I could go like, this is pissing me off and it shouldn't, or I don't want it to. I want to look at it because I could feel the resistance around it. So resistance is usually the signal for me to be like, look, if you're, you know, (laughs) if you're wanting to tell your sponsor, I don't want to hear this negative shit. (laughs) You might want to look at that (laughs) because it's, it's really, you know, it really is when it invokes that kind of emotional response. Yes, yes, yes. You know, well, there's actually something in psychology known as the backfire effect. And when someone holds a belief and then someone challenges that belief, the, the belief that that person holds because it's challenged actually becomes more entrenched. So it, it's a psychological thing. It's like that digging is, your feet in. Correct. And so when I realized that, I'm like, oh, well, I can't really try to convince anybody of anything. Because, you know, and especially, and we see it today, like politically. Like if I believe some way politically and someone comes and try, I'm not going to change my political views. No, I'm going to dig my feet in. And totally, ne- and, and neither am I going to be able to change no, their view, right? So, what's the point? But the point is, is that in a sponsor sponsee relationship, I came to you wanting to change. I came to you saying, This is how I've lived my whole life with this worldview, and I want to explore this approach, which is the 12 steps of Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, 12 steps of AA. And I want to go through those steps with you and I want to, you know, show you how I think about the world and see what you think about it. So I come into it in a way wanting to be challenged, wanting to be open to that because I felt like bringing it back to step 11 that, you know, that that was God's will for me, that I come into program and that I do this work. And so I feel like it was a divinely led sort of thing. 
And so when I want to pull back from something, I feel in a way that, that I'm, when I'm not open vibrationally or energetically to something, then you're right. That is a time to pause and to try to look what at it. What is that? And that is step 11. And the conscious contact with our higher power comes in so many different ways. It's like, you know, when I texted you today, I miss you. I miss this. I miss the, because this is conscious contact for me. Yeah. Yeah. I always hear and do, I mean, this is like a meeting for me. It works so good. Yeah. And so does my relationships with my sponsees, you know. Yeah. It, 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 it is conscious contact. And I believe because you have conscious contact, Elizabeth, things come through you and me too. I honor that as well. And so, you know, and they come through you. And I love that you really kind of like your filter is just, you know, to bring it straight out. You don't, uh, you know, sugarcoat it. You don't try to say, hmm, let me have a, you just bring it right out. And so in a way you don't get in, get in the way of the message. You know, you let it come out and you give it to people. And, uh, and sometimes that can be a rude awakening. And especially you're, I feel like you're such a truth teller. That's probably the issue that in terms of like, you know, different, um, you know, healing approaches, you know, truth tellers are those people that are, you know, ostracized. We don't really want to know the truth or hear the truth. And you are a truth teller and you bring it out. And I feel, I feel like it's one of your greatest strengths. But, you know, uh, oftentimes it's a hard pill to swallow. It is. And I had one date when I was in New York, not this past, you know, uh, trip, but when I was there living. And uh, and I went on a date with the guy. And I mean, within the first, you know, 10 minutes, I found out that he was still legally married. He was separated from his wife. And the reason why he was separated from his wife was because he had a very uh, relaxed view of commitment. And uh, and so, like the first ten Perfect. minutes, <laughs> <laughs> want to go back to my place? <laughs> well, that was after the dessert. He did make the pitch for that. As oh my we were god! Of course. But uh, in the first ten minutes, you know, I was like three red flags, and I thought, but it was a gorgeous restaurant, and we just ordered this delicious paella, and I was like. <laughs> I'm gonna stay through Tommy. dinner. Yes. I'm gonna stay through dinner, but I mean, it was done. It was done, and you know, when we find, you know, I love those three things. Uh, they need to be legally available, emotionally available, and physically geographically. Yep. Geographically, they gotta available. be living it near you. Right. Right. If they're living in another city, how the hell are you gonna see them? That just is gonna create a fan a relationship based on fantasy. You know, I'll tell you, um, I had a date, this was a long time ago, but I had a date with a guy one time and we um, had met online and then we were going to meet and have dinner and um, I met him outside the restaurant and I hugged him and I could feel the cigarettes in his pocket and the cigarettes are non-negotiable for me. It was done. As soon as I felt them, I knew it. I went and had the dinner. I left. I mean, I could have been like, uh... Mm-mm. You know, right then. I didn't know how to, which is probably why I went through with the dinner. Ah, you know, I probably really didn't know how to go like, this is a non-negotiable yeah. for me. I'm not going to stay, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and looking back, I wish I would have, you know, yeah. or I would next time. Because cigarettes are a no-no for me. I don't want to 
I don't yeah. want to go any further. Yeah. And I knew it right then. Right. Could have saved yourself an hour. But you know what? You went through it. And, and you know, now you know. Now I know. Yeah, I've got a sponsee that's working through some issues where she keeps getting roped into things. Like she, people say, let's go do this thing or whatever. And, and she feels obligated for whatever reason, but she doesn't really want to. And so, you know, I think that that is, you know, part of like this whole idea about like boundaries and standing up for ourselves. And I think the good news is that your sponsees are communicating with you, Elizabeth. They're being being very open with you. Well, with the second one, we did, we had a really good, uh, I feel really close, you know, Mm -hmm. it was a really good Mm -hmm. conversation and... Mm -hmm. It's good. You know, I need to hear those things. And I don't want to be acerbic or brusque. You know, I do want to be direct, you know. And um, I can. Obviously, I haven't said I love you enough to her or Uh, express. That part is very challenging for me. That's hard. Because when I would say really deep things to my family members or my kids, they would laugh at me. And so I have trauma from that. That's my own trauma, uh-huh. but I and so and I recognized it in that situation. I was sitting on my couch and I was just like, I, I just kept saying, I don't know why this is so hard for me to say. It wouldn't, and I finally just was like, I love you. And so I probably don't express that enough to her. My depth of emotion and well, and that's why you, that's why you like you know sometimes I'll ask you I'm like why why are you upset about that and it's because you love them and because you don't want them I'm making up that you don't want to see them get hurt and this is all a recipe for disaster with this guy it is it's just a, it's, it's going just, chum, 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 it, it's chum, so yeah. clear and written on the wall and like you know the analogy that I have of like sponsor sponsor relationship is that you know when I got into recovery I felt like I was dumped on this rocky beach. And there was a woman hanging up on the cliff going, hey, welcome. Come on up. We got a fire in this little cave. You know, come up, put your foot on that stone and like grab hold of that rock and watch out. There's some slimy stuff there. You know, come on up. And so that's what you see. And you're still in the water, all cold and 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 wet. And, okay. <laughs> I'll do whatever. I got to get off the beach. What you know? did you say to do? <laughs> and at a certain point, we mind. We're like, okay, do it. But then, you know, as we grow up, go up the mountain, things get a little bit easier. It's like, oh, she didn't know what she's talking about. So, you know, you may have to let right. her slip back, you know. No, I do. I do. And that's that. that part is painful it is it's painful but it's necessary well and here here's the gift you know I always say that I work with others for my program because you know that's part of like you know the triangle and one of uh, you know the branches is you know being of service and so I feel like in order for me to keep it I got to give it away and I mean, Elizabeth, if you hadn't been working with a sponsee, you might have never come to the realization about that trauma around, you know, your family and saying, I love you. And, you know, and I feel like that may have caused an avoidant tendency within you to avoid saying those oh, things. Oh, absolutely. The anorectic part. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I agree. Yeah. So I, agree. I, I feel like it's all good stuff. It's really helping you. And helping me learn as well, because, you know, 
Uh, and thankfully, none of my sponsees are in active acting out situations. But, you know, when I go to meetings and I hear women who are actively acting out, it just breaks my heart. And I just think, oh, my God, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky I'm not there. I feel so grateful for my recovery and not having to deal with any of that pain. It's just so traumatizing. I do, too. I'm really, really grateful. I just wanted to reiterate here, like, if... You know, so if you are on step 11 or if you are approaching step 11 or if you're confused about what step 11 means, there's a lot of different ways to work it. But that contact with a power greater than yourself can come through so many different avenues. It can come, you know, you can be watching something and know that that message was for you. You know, on TV, you can be listening to the radio and know that that message was for you. You can, but the, the, the key is to pay attention to it which is what I was able to do like okay two people said I'm being negative I need to look at me right as hard as that is for me to do sure I need to do that (laughs) right and I do admit it's hard you know I I don't like to be wrong and I don't you know whatever I I have just as much problem looking in the mirror as the next person however it was blatantly obvious to me that I needed to look at that and to figure out what that was because yeah. I value my program and I value these women. Well, and I know that you want to be of service to them. And if you feel like you're not able to be of service, you know, I know that you're grounded enough and well enough that you're willing to like, you know, take a look at it and reframe it. I am. You know, in this pamphlet, I, I just gave to Elizabeth, it's, uh, um, it's called The Guide to the Steps, and it's a companion to Chapter 4 of the Basic Text, and it's a new booklet that has come out. Uh, it's 2015, actually it says 2014, oh, no, I don't know when it came out, but uh, it's new on the website, I think. Anyway, um, in step, when we're talking about Step 11, it says the basic text reminds us that numerous SLAA members have encountered, and it says, quote, many a painful growth fostering situation along the course of our sobriety, which God has either been the architect of or at least has allowed to occur. And so, you know, talking about your sponsee and their potential around this, God has either architected it or is, it a, or is allowing it to happen. And I know that for me and my recovery, I mean, you weren't my first sponsor in SLAA, Ava. I had Ava as a sponsor. I had another woman as a sponsor. And, you know, it it didn't stick with them because I wanted to go back and act out. So I, you know, I feel like God knew maybe he architected it. Maybe she, God, however you want to, you know, view God. But it was necessary for me to go through those experiences in order for me, and I call it, you know, putting my face in the mud or the two-by-four-in-the-head school of recovery, that there was no other way I was going to get this message without really, you know, getting to my bottom. So I had to get to my bottom. Multiple times. Multiple times. And you've experienced that too, correct? Yeah, many, many times. So, and that's why it's so perfect that, you know, we as addicts get to sponsor other addicts because we know that. We know that pain. But I feel like you're such a loving person and you just don't want them to go through that pain. And that's like unequivocal. When you get that kind of information, you got to shut that shit down. You can't allow it to go. 
And you see it and I see it so clearly. We know that rock is slippery. Everyone who tries to get on it. Don't step on that one. You're going to fall on your ass. Don't go on that one. It looks like it's good, but it's not. It's not. We got to let them go. You do. You got to let it go. Right. And I, you know, it's so interesting because it's like I could, you know, I didn't even think about it for like three or four days all all through the holiday weekend. And then um, Monday came and I was like... Oh, I need to try to make contact with her and yeah. clean that up a little bit, you know. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm not in control of that and I know that I can't change I cannot convince someone else. You know? Right, right. I can teach you the way that I did it. I can teach you what works for me. I can tell you what I see you doing that is similar to what I did. Right, and where you're gonna go. It's like okay, listen, if you get on I forty five and keep heading south, you're gonna hit Galveston eventually. That's where you're going. You're going to Galveston, chick. No, I'm not going to Galveston. I'm going to the woodlands. No. No. Nope. Galveston. Are you headed south? Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't want to hear this negative shit. Yeah. I just passed Nassau Road 1. I'm not saying. Oh, That's my like, goodness. Yeah. Well, I mean, All right. So, what else? That's it? That's you got all. something else? No, I just wanted to say that I had another, like, step 11 sort of moment when I was in New York. You know, we talk about, you know, a knowledge of God's will for us. And I can remember when I was living in New York, and I really didn't like living in New York. And I know there's a ton of people out there that love New York. I'm so happy for you. Yay. I did not have that experience. It was, you know, I feel like I'm a very empathetic person, and it was just too many people, and I was just pulled in too many ways. And I remember, I remember uh, laying in my bed in Brooklyn, and I lived with three millennials in this, you know, it was a nice apartment in Brooklyn, but, you know, I lived in a converted dining room. It was kind of a ridiculous situation, but it was fine. It was fine. I'd made it work. Anyway, um, I remember laying on my little bed, and I remember thinking, God, what is your will for me? I hate New York, and I miss Houston. And then the next night, I'd be like, God, what is your will for me? I just hate New York, and I just miss Houston third time god what is your will for me i hate new york i miss houston and it was almost like i heard this voice go go back to houston (laughs) no it was more like uh duh (laughs) just leave right yeah just leave there's no reason for you to stay here it's just not working for you you know but that that and that's another thing is is that you you can look back now and know that whole situation, that whole time you were there, six years, it was really good for you. Yeah. It served its purpose. It wasn't a waste. No. It wasn't a bad thing. No. But you needed to come back to Houston. Right. We missed you. Oh. We did. Well, and you know, and it was like going back, because I went back the last month and I was there for about three weeks, and everything that I hated about the city is still there, and everything I loved about the city is still there. You know, my friends, the amazing theater that's there, the beautiful architecture, the energy of the city, which can be fun. But, you know, the bums vomiting in the street, you know, that kind of thing. The harshness. The harshness, too many people, the cold. It was just, you know, and I had like an episode where um, on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, I'd gone to lunch with a friend and then I was leaving 
And uh, I needed to stop by the grocery store because I was going to a Thanksgiving potluck and I needed to buy some things. And so I'm on the bus and I see this grocery store right there and I'm like, oh, let me jump off. It's right here by the bus stop and I'll get my stuff. And and um, and so I did and then I left and I went to get back on the bus and I realized I didn't have any quarters or change and I was out of um, a Metro card. My Metro card was empty. I thought, well, shoot, well, let me try to get a taxi. And there was no taxis. It was like 4 o'clock on Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Not a taxi to be seen. I'm like, it's okay. I'll just take an Uber. And so I, like, you know, tried to get Uber. Uber spun, spun, spun. Couldn't find anything. You know, try again. They said, try again in 10 minutes. You know, and it's cold. And it's like, you know, and I've got groceries. And I'm like, what? I almost had a complete, like, pissy fit meltdown on the sidewalk. Uh, or, or here was the deal. I was only 15 streets away from where I lived. And I was going to walk. But I twisted my ankle. I was wearing those stupid clogs, and I twisted my ankle, and I was like, oh, my God, I can't even walk. And that was when I was going to have the, the pissy <laughs> breakdown, you know. And so it was like that's the kind of thing about New York, how tough it can be just to get from point A to point B. And uh, and I calmed myself down. I'm like, no, Melody, you're a grown-ass woman. I'm not going to allow you to have a hissy fit on the streets of New York City. It's like put your groceries down, sit down on the curb, a cab will come. And just wait, just wait for the cab, and I and like keep trying Uber, and I just like went into like a sensible mode, and that's what I feel like recovery has given me is this ability to like just calm the fuck down, and then just start working the problem, just rationally, not emotionally, not giving in to that piece of myself that wants to have the the, the baby the little girl the little girl yes yeah it's called your functional adult yes so i just got into my functional adult you know and i just set my little girl down put the groceries down we're gonna be fine and within five minutes a cab came and i was able to get home with no worries so you know that was the sort of the proving ground for new york for me is about like taking care of like the logistics of how to live life on life's terms so it was a, a real good reminder for me and it made me so grateful that when i came back to houston and i came to my little apartment and you got so your beautiful. little car and your own way to get around <laughs> and your own grocery store and yeah. And the meetings that are here, yeah. and my sponsees who are here, and my sponsor who is here, and like the recovery in Houston. For the rest of the world, I just I don't want you to be jealous of us, but but we, have, we do have awesome, awesome. We have an awesome recovery. We do system here, so I was so proud for that. So, so if you ever want to come visit, hit us up. Yes, we'll we'll take you to a meeting. Yes, and I'll show you where the good ones are. That's right. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth. Thank you. This is thank a good you. topic. We're I missed you. Glad we're back. Yes. But if you, um, first of all, if you enjoy our podcast, please like and share it. Um, also, if you have a question or you want to um, send us a lovely email like Lisa did, you can email us at SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. If you have a question, you have a problem, anything, you have negative feedback. We'll take it. <laughs> Anything at all. And yeah. we won't cuss back at you. Yeah. Um, and um, just uh, like and share us. That's the best thing that you can do for us. We're on Facebook. At Sober Sisters Talk. And then we also have our website, SoberSistersTalk.com. And yes. then we're also on iTunes. We are on so iTunes. if you uh, search for Sober Sisters Talk or even SLAA. I don't know how Lisa found that. She said she just looked on uh 
on iTunes on and podcasts and sober S L A A and she found us. So but um we we appreciate any sharing you can do and and we'll be back next week with a a new topic and it'll be december so we'll be talking about my favorite one having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps we carried the message to other sex and love addicts right we'll be back thank you thank you